Hi, Maddie. Thanks for coming. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I listen to the show a lot. Really? Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I do. Yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah, I didn't know that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like my uh, workout thing sometimes. Oh, we get you because we get you pumped. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. Okay. All it's right. Because you make me angry, which makes working out easy. <laughs> Birds fly, sun shines, and brother, I insert credit. This is episode 237 of the only video game talk show, featuring a panel of experts who absolutely must answer whatever question I post to them within six minutes or meet the reproach of a horrible buzzer. I'm Alex Jaffe, and a platforming game I think about sometimes that no one really brings up anymore is Mission in Snowdrift Land, that flash browser game from the mid-2000s co-developed by Nintendo. Okay. I'm Frank Cifaldi, and you found the only platform game that no one talks about it. <laughs> it's beautiful. Like every, we are now in a place and time where everybody talks about everything that was ever created all the time. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's possible uh, to find something that, that was talked about. But um, I'm going to bring up one that just no one's ever played before that I like a lot, which is there is. A, I'm sweating a, bullets over here, hoping it's not the one I've got in mind. Uh, it's <laughs> not. I promise. I promise. I'm so it's scared. Not. I'm so scared. It is, it is uh, one of those <laughs> unofficial Famicom games. Um, it is based on Titanic. It is made by, uh, I believe, my favorite uh, developer of these weird sort of post-mortem NES games, uh, Dragon Co. And it oh. is, uh, it's, uh, it's 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 a game that does not understand animation timing and jumping physics, and it's uh, uh, remarkable because of it. So go find Titanic. Not the Titanic Brawler unofficial Famicom game. That's a different Titanic game. The one that is a, a pure platformer. You choose Jack or Rose at the beginning. All of the uh, quote unquote enemies are just like hazards on the ship. It's got a lot of heart to it and it's really bad and really good. All right. Uh, I, I recommend I, I start the show with recommendations now. That's what I do. I like it. I'm, I'm Jim Rogers, and the platform game I think about sometimes that, uh, that people seem to not uh, bring up too often in conversations is. The Flintstones, the treasure of Sierra Madrock uh, for uh, the Super Nintendo, which is yeah. is made by Taito. So if you'd like to play a licensed platform um, game for the Super Nintendo that superficially has similarities to Super Mario World, yet plays a little bit more like Wonder Boy with slightly slipperier uh, movement than you'd probably like. And that was developed by the people who made Ninja Warriors... Um, you know, maybe check that one out. Um, if you'd like to see the people who made Elevator Action Returns, uh, 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 trying to make a, just kind of, you know, uh, peeling off a, a, a Super Mario licensed, uh, you know, quick one-shot video game, try that. That's a pure platformer, and if you want something that's got more action and shooting, I would play, uh, uh Daffy Duck, uh, The Martian Missions, uh, for Super Nintendo by, um, Sunsoft, which is another Japanese game based on an American cartoon. Uh, I like that one. Thank you. Final answer. Thank you. Thank you. I'll accept it. Alright, uh, I'm Brandon Sheffield, and, um, platformer that nobody talks about. I mean, there's no reason to talk about it, but, uh, Bonk's I'll, I'll Revenge mention... is in there. Bonk's Revenge. Uh, I'll, rem- I'll m- mention, um, Ninpen Manmaru for the Saturn, 
which is uh, no one talks about that anymore. We used to talk about it all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was always. I actually coming up. was just talking to somebody about it yesterday, <laughs> and, and I was in a Zoom. I was in a Zoom conference with about forty people. I thought you were going to say I was at the zoo. <laughs> I was. I, I was. I was at. I was. Well, no, I actually was. I was at the zoo. Uh, though I was in a Zoom conference and we were talking about <laughs> Neen Pen Manmaru. Uh, I was entertaining a room. It was I gave a rousing monologue about it. So and, yeah, and there were, I was good. being applauded. Yeah, because everybody loves that game. We used to all talk about it, and now we don't. Anyway, Neen Pen Manmaru is a is a game that's basically like if you got a bunch of devs that looked at the 3D section of Sonic Jam on the Saturn, and they were like, hmm. What if we could do that, but um, but a fair bit worse? And uh, that's what this game is. It's it's intriguing because it feels like uh, someone trying to fully realize a game out of that idea, uh, but they you know they didn't succeed super well, and you can't like touch enemies, you can't even jump on them. Um, it's it's kind of ridiculous, and the camera's weird. But it is a full original 3D platformer on the Saturn, and they didn't get a whole lot of those, and so it's kind kind of neat. It's mostly bad, but uh, there you go. That's the one I got to talk about. All right. Uh, we got one more person on the show this week. Joining us is founder of Extremely OK Games, developer of Towerfall and Celeste, and renowned Mario Maker Tinkerer, Maddie Thorson is here. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, my platformer, I think I have two, actually. One is a game I was obsessed with as a kid, uh, Crystal Caves. I don't know if any of y'all played that. It's a good game. Yeah, MS-DOS. God, that game, it was so hard. It was shareware. I only had the demo version. I don't think I even beat that. And the other one that came to mind was McKids for the NES, which for the longest time I thought I dreamt that game because I must have rented it when I was a kid and had like one weekend of memories and then just never saw it again and didn't even remember that it was McDonald's licensed. So I didn't know how to find it. McKids is legit. That game's legit. Yeah, that game's actually really cool. <laughs> I kind of yeah. want to play it again. It's really like janky and broken level design, but in like a really fun, magical way. I'd, I'd right. love to say I was just playing it yesterday, but I wasn't. I actually, I was playing it about four months ago on my mister. So is that close enough? It's four months ago, close enough. Uh, I'd say you so. You tell me, you tell me. Is that, is that close enough to be relevant to I just played that? Uh, Depends <laughs> how many games you play per month. Uh, the two, three hundred, something like that. It's, okay, it's, so it's that buried. wasn't recent. I have, I have pretty good recall on all of them. Though. You want me to start listing? I'll do it. No, that is true. You do have famous <laughs> recall. Uh, I, do- <laughs> I recall that this show has a format, and we're going to get into it right now. Our mm. first question comes from the winner of our last episode, Topher Florence, who asks, cast a live-action Super Mario Brothers movie using the cast of the 1999 film the matrix there are no other restrictions <laughs> oh that's good that's okay. not bad I, f- I feel like i feel like keanu is luigi and uh, joe pantaleano joey pants is mario yeah he's gotta be mario yeah uh carrie ann moss also known as trinity uh th- she would be princess daisy there wouldn't be a princess peach in this movie Okay. Oh yeah, we'd go the uh, live-action Super Mario Brothers movie. Right? Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to do the whoever looks the most like uh, the cast of that movie. Is Agent Smith Bowser? Hmm. He could be, or Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, Larry Fish yeah. could be. Uh, he could be Bowser, but or he could be Toad. He could be like a wise Toad. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, he could be the Toad that gives you the flute. I would cast Hugo Weaving as Tatanga, the alien villain from Super Mario Super Mario Land. Land. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm looking at the cast, and we have uh, 
I haven't seen this movie in a really long time. Uh, Anthony Ray Parker as Dozer. There's a Dozer in Mario, right? There's got to be something called Dozer. He could be Roy Koopa. Okay. All right. Matt Doran is a mouse. There's a mouse in Mario too, right? Yeah, there's Mauser. Maybe Mauser. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. very good. Very good. Love Mauser. Yeah. Marcus Chong is Tank. So the tank from Super Mario Brothers 3 that you platform across. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh. I also think Keanu as Waluigi would be amazing. Hmm. Luigi so he, and he could, Waluigi. He could play Luigi and Waluigi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah double yeah. cast him. He's got he's got the chops for sure. But Luigi is Waluigi's residual self image when he enters the Matrix. So is this uh can we have a Matrix plot in here as well? There are no other restrictions. We sure can. Oh, okay. So it's basically Super Mario Brothers 2 USA, aka Mario Madness. But when they go into subspace or whatever, they, they access the Super Mario Land world where Walu- okay. War- War- Luigi is Waluigi and uh, Wa- Mario becomes Wario. Does that make sense? Yeah. Joey Pants has the range. Yeah. So they, they, they end up in this other, uh, 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 when they go to the other world, the Super Mario Land world, they become Wario and Waluigi. Does that make sense? It does. And they, they have to cooperate across dimensions because multiverses are the rage now. They have to cooperate across dimensions with their upside down M or, uh, alter egos, passing messages across the bridge, as it were. That's all I got. You want more? It's, What's the uh, Gloria Foster role? It's $256 an hour. Wait, who? Uh, Gloria Foster. She plays the Oracle in The Matrix. Oh. Yeah. See, I um, kind of figured if it's Mario 2, Gloria Foster uh, runs the casino. Where you play slots at the end of level. Ooh. Oh yeah, where she carries Ooh. the slot machine around on like a horse's back. <laughs> the horse has a slot machine on its back. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know who uh, Denny Gordon is or the character Priestess, but she could play the horse. Wait, who's the character? Mm-hmm. Uh, the horse. No, who's the character's name? You said uh, Priestess. Priestess. This is an actress who has no photo on IMDb. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, Rowan Witt, who played Spoon Boy, can be Yoshi. I don't know who he is. <laughs> oh, Spoon Boy. There is no Spoon. Spoon Boy. There is no Spoon. Who's Joe Pantoliano? Joe Pantoliano. That's Mario. He's, he's Cypher. Go. He's got to be Mario. He's got to be oh, Mario. Yeah. That, oh, right, It's got to right, be him. Yeah. He was never a leading man, and uh, now it's his time to shine. I think I love the idea of casting this with them at all their current ages, too. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And also, I mean, he is the only person there who is like actually Italian. Right. Right. So he is actually Italian-American from Brooklyn, if I recall correctly. Gotta let him be Mario at the least, you know. Uh, I think we could get we could we could just have the the Wachowskis alternate playing peach with no explanation <laughs> just like scene by scene it's it's a different wachowski playing peach i think we already established there's no peach in this movie we did but i was this was my it's a multiverse so i was peach I was is, is to some extra to, dimensional yeah. extra dimensional entity deity amorphous being who exists across the time she might be like post credits right like like our thanos reveal mm-hmm. <laughs> man i like the idea of i like the thought experiment of right what would 1993's Super Mario Bros. the movie be right now if you were allowed as as those uh, genuine art like artistic creatively minded people who made the original Super Mario Bros. the movie they they had a whole bunch of ideas you know yeah it's uh it's the, movie. the Max Headroom people it's uh mm-hmm. I mean it's it's a cool weird strange unique textured creative thing so it's like what would that be now if you also like foisted onto it the expectations that you've got to uh you've got to like appeal to a marvel cinematic universe audience 
It's an interesting thought experiment because that movie was really ahead of its time in terms of being like gender and queer friendly and uh, like body type friendly and all these sorts of things that other movies were absolutely not doing at that time and were kind of doing to the, op- not kind of, definitely doing in the opposite direction. And uh, the the world is a lot more ready for that kind of thing at the present time mm-hmm. uh, and I think it would be interesting to see how those people, I mean, it wouldn't be those people because they're all old now, but uh, how people like that would interpret a property like this given so much, like they had a lot of free reign in that. They they made a post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie out of Out of, out of Mario, Mario yeah. It's a pretty cyberpunk movie. I just want to say that I'm seeing in my head a trailer shot, right, where Mario is like approaching some sort of like liquid like wall and he like reaches his hand out and like 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 wario is on wario and mario are each like reaching out to like touch each other's hands like they're gonna hug each other because that's what it comes down to at the end is they 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 (laughs) they come to respect one another across the dimensions and we have a we have a shot of uh mario dodging koopa's axes in bullet time oh yeah yeah ah man mario and wario becoming friends across dimensions and then uh the sequel would be Wario is able to come into the the uh, the Mushroom Kingdom dimension, and he just instantly becomes a bad guy. This is everything everywhere all at Wario. Everything everywhere you. <laughs> everything everywhere. Everywhere. There we go. All right. <laughs> One of the most refreshing elements of Celeste is how the soundtrack doesn't restart every time you die, making the Mm. entire experience feel more holistic. How else can a game's soundtrack encourage gameplay? There's no other way. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think that's about (laughs) it. I think that's about it. I mean... That's the only one. The first thing that comes to mind for me is the sonic drowning music makes me immediately want to escape. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I'm I'm not going to lie. That alters my gameplay for sure. Who who among us has not gotten up and slapped that reset button when you hear that sonic music (laughs) in Capital Zone? I have unplugged my Genesis. You know what? I'll start the game over. Like I'm serious. Like like right, Frank, you, you're with me on this, right? Like I'll I'm just start the, with you. I'll start the game over. Whatever. It's like it's it takes two minutes. I turn off Sonic One when I get to Labyrinth Zone. Also. So, oh yeah, yeah. Oh god. Sonic. Wait, Sonic One. What's that? Are you talking about Green Hill Zone, the video game? <laughs> oh, Sonic One is good. Whatever. You see that? That's, it's they really just kind of kneecap you. It's just like welcome to Denny's, and then then you know they just uh, you know get you right in the kneecaps when you come into that second. Uh, whoo! And they're like, you don't like going fast? Uh, how about this? You want to go real slow? <laughs> you want to <laughs> rock going slow, and you can die. I'm gonna wait for a bunch of really slow elevators now, and the there's lava. You can jump on it, and then you lose all your rings, and then you try to, and then you can you'll die shortly after that. I don't know. It's no uh, Flintstones treasure of the Sierra Madrock. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so I would say. This is very obvious, but uh, you know, rhythm games. I'll just I'll just throw it out there so that it's it's the obvious thing is on the table because uh, music certainly is the dictator of gameplay in that regard. But I think also, you know, in the 360 era, end of the PS2, early 360 era, we got the idea of emergent emergent music stuff or contextual music happening where mm-hmm. you know when when there's enemies nearby, it, the music ramps up and stuff, and then you're like, oh. 
So it that's a subtle-ish one, but um, it definitely does, you know, it, it, it makes you be on the look at like, you're like, okay, clearly there's an enemy. And the, the funny way that that happens is when you're, you've been fighting enemies for a long time and the music doesn't turn off. And you're like, well, there's somebody around here somewhere. Like, I get stuck behind a wall forever. Yeah, trying yeah. to find that last guy who's like jamming his way into the corner of a box. <laughs> or if you're playing a Kingdom Hearts game and the, the set, the music doesn't just ramp up, but an, another, like, a, a, a tidal wave of music crashes down onto the more atmospheric music to let you know that there's a battle about to happen and then you, you fight the guys and then the battle ends but you're in an area that happens to be highly populated by enemies so you get to hear that chill music for like two seconds and then suddenly you hear the battle music coming back in i don't complain because you know killing stuff is really fun in kingdom hearts so whatever Similar to that, I'd like to talk about Metal Mario in Super Mario 64. It's kind of a clunky transformation, which kind of isolated from the soundtrack isn't really that impressive. But the way that kicks in makes it like something that you go seek out. Like the soundtrack makes it feel a lot more powerful than it actually is. Okay. They're just trying to copy Metal Sonic. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the one I was going to say is... is the vocal when the vocal tracks come in in Katamari, it it affects your gameplay experience by making you go heck yeah. Sure, <laughs> this is the same yeah. answer as Sonic, but when you only have a minute left in a Mario game, the music gets yeah. Fast. I was mm-hmm. gonna say that one too, and uh, and there's that one really long level in Mario World that's like designed around that. But then also, um, I was just thinking Mini Metro is the first thing that came to mind for me. The way Mini Metro, like, as you're building all your little train stations, you're, like, making a little weird ambient song. I I don't know. I yeah. think that's really cool. Yeah, that stuff's nice. I like uh, when you're playing a game and then the music just gets really weird as heck. And you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> Some, <laughs> something's going to happen. I can't think of an exact example but um quite often it's like in i don't know silent hill 3 or whatever when you get into that uh, room that you can't escape from and the, and the, it's not music so much as noise and it's just getting louder and you're all trapped in there and you're like Wah. so uh that's a good one i guess but i feel like there's a better example of you're playing something and then all oh like uh, this isn't the best example but fez when you get into that like glitchy zone and uh and and then the music is all glitchy and weird too and you really feel like you feel like whoa i got i got somewhere it's it's impressive that that zone while being totally just a regular platformer area uh more or less makes you feel like you've found something hidden like you're inside the code or whatever like you've you've transcended the matrix and i think the music does a lot of the work in yeah. that uh, alongside the glitchy visual yeah i think my real answer is that music is like helps you role play right and that, that's yes. an extension of that fez thing where it's like if yeah. the music can manage to match your like emotional state and it can like help sync you up with like yeah where the where the game wants you to be where the characters in the game are yeah and that's like the, the real power of it if the music can get you to have that feeling of like walking around outside and you're listening to music that you really like and you feel like wow that's the soundtrack this is the soundtrack of my life right now like this music that i'm listening to is my my soundtrack then you then you succeed question the third why did micro king blizzard activision show off that diversity power ranking chart to the public like they were proud of it oh wow that was so weird (laughs) another real answer for why they showed it off it's it's because they like Okay, I don't know. I, I highly suspect <laughs> that that they um, 
they they've been trying to get diversity initiatives going over there for a long time and they had executives up at the top being like yeah oh, where's your data how do you how do you how do you prove that people want to have different whatever uh like it doesn't seem that important to me and so they put this tool out there so that everybody would have to know about it so that then they they could have data for for these executives to look at but of course it was terribly ill-advised to put that out and be like, we're just gonna rank the the goodness of our game through the these diversity numbers that we've devised, yeah. and it's like phrenology. It's like it's it's such a stupid. They managed to make everybody mad, which is hilarious because yeah, <laughs> impressive. Obviously, honestly. you've you've got you've got the people on the left being like, okay, you're reducing us to to numbers, and you're reducing uh, people's experience to to nothing instead of hiring actual people that understand these things and then you got the people on the right who are now validated because this is the thing they always thought happened that people were like uh yeah uh, putting forced diversity from a pool to to because mm-hmm. you know, every, every comment about something pro- progressive that you see in video games there's somebody like if it was also like a black trans lesbian then you'd get extra points or whatever and yeah. uh, now those guys get to feel like they got something to point at yeah i mean okay okay so that's you're talking about the thing uh, in general which uh, i believe yeah. is a whole uh, two or three hour discussion in itself i mean the way i know it is there are um there are people out there who are trying to technologize basically everything i lived in the uh I don't know if you know this place, Brandon. I, I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area for seven years. I heard of it. And during that time, uh, I did something I don't believe you, you've ever done, which is I, I consulted as a user experience and user interface designer for, right. I estimate, yeah, I around that. 100 different uh, companies, right? Little ones, people trying to start a thing. I'm going to make Google Maps, but for the supermarket, right? was like four different people's idea right like uh, you can find you ever want to know what you key i can't find something in the supermarket and uh, my son he's gonna figure out how to help everybody uh, <laughs> yeah. so do you want to work with him it's like uh i don't know i mean you give me give him give him my number you know and then he gives me 40 bucks after i do 60 hours of work for him it was uh you know some kid people went to stanford so i looked at that and it was just uh uh, the sort of thing, I believe, some sort of a computer program, some sort of app hacked together by people who, uh, you know, didn't know how to program a computer four years ago or whatever. I don't want to disparage anybody's uh, uh, programming skills. It, it looked like the sort of thing earnestly, honestly, and sincerely made by a group of, of white boys from Stanford oh, yeah. um, who, who unfortunately did not pay me $40 to make fun of them for 60 hours is what it looks like. That's that's what it yeah. looked like to me. They should have just paid me the money and then gotten viciously made fun of for a couple of weeks. And then they would not have failed upward into selling this technology to a company like Activision. Um, and then as to why Activision announced it, Jaffe, I believe that was the question. Yes. Why did Activision uh, and Microsoft actually just put that out there and go, look what we got. It's because, uh, I mean, I, I worked for a company where the head of HR accidentally uh, attached a PDF that the CEO had sent her uh, indicating her her new salary increase. She accidentally attached that PDF to an email she sent to all employees. 
So one afternoon, every employee was LMAOing at how much the head of HR was getting paid. It was $250,000. And she didn't even know how to send an email. Was roundly made fun of on social media. Her name is out there. It was, uh, you know, it was bad people. So it's okay. they, They were, you know, uh, a private equity firm and whatnot, so you can make fun of them all you want. It's perfectly legal and and safe. It's actively encouraged, actually. <laughs> Quite encouraged. Legal, safe, and good for you. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, it, for the same reason that people who manage large companies, uh, a lot of them are basically sub toddler when it comes to manners and etiquette. Um, a lot of them really are. Because a lot of them are just not the same species as us. It's okay to say yeah, that. Yeah, they got too much money. They haven't had to. They haven't had to try to interact with a regular human being in a in a way that that has consequences for them. Like they've never they've never had to have the consequences of a one on one interaction where they're on yeah in the wrong to to right. get a one on one sit down FaceTime with people this bad. You need to be one of those Stanford boys too stupid to pay me to make fun of you. Yeah, my theory is kind of along the lines of Brandon's where it's like people in the company, like the only way they could convince them to let them do interesting character designs was to make this stupid tool. Mm -hmm. And then they had to like hype it up. And then executives were like, wow, we have this asset and everyone hates us right now. We should release this thing that makes us look really good and it doesn't make them look really good they they really they really thought people were gonna see it and be like oh yeah exactly it is a thing to talk to monsters and then we all saw the monster language yeah it's uh that's my theory yeah yeah it's it's kind of a weird thing when really the solution is uh is brazen like uh, what i'm saying is the the management doesn't really think they they don't they're not making any decisions they want to be shown and told, right? I don't want somebody to come in and have a vision, a creative vision. I'd rather it be a tool, right? And then yeah. they, they expect the public to share their enthusiasm for the presence of a tool, right? I just wanted to say that I my very first impression of it was same, same as Tim's, where it, it, it very much gives the vibe of trying to San Francisco tech bro software your way out mm-hmm. of a social problem because they f- they feel like everything mm-hmm. can be solved through software and algorithms and uh and it is it is roundly untrue and has been <laughs> proved time yeah. and time again but it's not going to stop them because it's these these people that are constantly i just heard about this problem mm-hmm. other people have had this problem for hundreds of years i just as a caucasian straight male have with a rich daddy. This, uh, don't this, forget, the, don't forget daddy. the rich daddy. I discovered this problem right now. While I was putting on my boat shoes. <laughs> I'm just I the person I... to tackle this. Yeah. Uh, it's, okay. a, it's, a, yeah. it's a real shame. <laughs> I heard about it on my yacht. That electronic snake <laughs> yeah. don't run out of oil, let me tell you. <laughs> on <Yeah>. the <laughs> subject of assigning numbers to Snakes. ethics, uh, how much of Nintendo can the Prince of Saudi Arabia own before it's no longer ethical to buy Switch games? Oh, interesting. I mean, question. I don't think they can own that much. Um, they they got five percent now, and yeah, five uh, percent is that enough? That must have cost a lot of money. Yeah. I gotta tell you, uh, like that's a bunch of because Nintendo has like I I don't know how much they got. They got like a several billion dollars in the bank just sitting there. They got billions of money, mi- b- Cash, billions yeah. of money dollars. They're just sitting on. Um, so like to be able to buy five percent of a such a company. Is is probably 
a lot of money. And, you know, when we're talking about these smaller percentages and there's absolutely nothing, anything anyone can do about it, it's like, you know, just, I don't think we can worry about that because, uh, you know, I have a, uh, I had a 401k when I had a job and I translated, transitioned that 401k over to a, um, an IRA. So that means now I got this, uh, very small amount of money that I can't access until I'm 65, but it is invested in the stock market without my, I can't do anything about that. And so it'll get invested in like probably some terrible stuff. I probably lost a whole bunch of money out of that recently when the stock market went down, but like, it's probably invested in oil and all kinds of stuff I don't believe in. And I just, I can't do anything about it. So I don't believe that we should like, we should care when SNK is almost 100% owned by uh, someone who is not good. But when we're talking about 5 10%, I think that we, that's just like the cost of living at this point is 5 to 10% of whatever you do is going to yeah. go towards something Well, as far, as far as we know, like 25% of Nintendo is owned by people that I hate personally. Right? Like who? Go down the list of investors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Most of the investors that ask questions at these investor meetings, I hate them. Really scary <laughs> question. It's possible Nintendo yeah. hates them too. Yeah. What's the are. kind of question? What's the kind of question they ask? I haven't, you know, been a journalist in a while, so I haven't read the financial, uh, you know, the the quarterly uh, meeting uh, transcript uh, translations. But it's basically like, why don't you make Steam games? Right. Why Why isn't Mario on Steam? Yep. Every and month. I, I assume that right now it's why aren't you using cryptocurrency yeah why aren't there mario nfts i, I heard sure, about this crypto what is I'm that sure that's the last meeting there's definitely a lot of that like my nephew told me about mm-hmm. they're like it, it, they don't exactly say that nephew but... t's that's what it stands for <laughs> nephew, yeah, nephew tokens <laughs> <laughs> right yeah is that it yeah oh, there we go thank you thank you the little uh certificates that that you get from from your family, um, or that you give to your family when you're a, when you're a child, like I will I will cook dinner one one night a week, uh, if you redeem this this coupon from this coupon book. Those are, so those it's are child labor. Tokens. They're selling child labor. Yeah, got it. Very good. Okay. So the answer is uh, Nintendo. Con- I don't know. Consensus. Forty five, fifty percent. Forty five percent. We put a number on it. It's like impossible to draw a line, right? Yeah. I I also the real answer here. Come on, let's face it. It's never ethical to buy a video. It's That's never true. ethical to buy god darn anything. Yes. Once again, Frank Cifaldi, yeah, the can Pope do our of video best. games, speaks out, piracy is okay. We should do our best. Game, Pope. Go to the farmer's market. Don't go to the supermarket. All right. Uh, let's settle this now and for all time, now that we're all here, convened together right, in this virtual room. Should video games abolish the double jump? No. Yes. Oh, the double <laughs> jump. Yeah, no double jumps. That's yeah. a brand new No, question. No double jumps, no. Really? But it sounds like Maddie also said, uh, yes, we should abolish it. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, it should be abolished, nice. yeah. Wait, who here thinks yeah. it shouldn't be abolished? Me. Whoa, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Chris Charla of Microsoft and I had a big argument about, well, argument is in hard quotes there because we weren't mad, but uh, about the double jump. He thinks it's great, and I was like, just, just make the nope. one jump bigger and better. Make the one jump, because uh, once you got a double jump, then it's just like you're double jumping over everything, and it, and it's mm-hmm. it ceases to become a skill or a or have particular meaning. Uh, in in some games, I, I agree. In like I don't know, like like in 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 like a, a Castlevania or something, right? Like a two D 
Metroid y kind yeah. of Castlevania. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. once you have the double jump, you're just never single jumping anymore. I agree with that. No, you're just but... double jumping everywhere, just like you're just doing it uh, compulsively. Exactly. But that's not every double jump. Like, double jump has a place where it's interesting, where yeah. you, know, you can like, kind of squeeze into a tight space and stuff like that. You can, you can, you can save under, yourself from a jump. Things. You can go under things. Yeah, under yeah there, there is cool uses, but I think that anytime there is a cool use, like as someone who's made like ten games with a double jump, I think like the other moves, like for instance a dash, are just a better version of a double jump. Yeah. yeah. So the only yeah, oh plus, like a midair dash. Okay. The yeah. only double yeah. jump that's good for like some of the earliest double jumps in history. We've talked about this. Uh, you've got your 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 like super ghouls and ghosts, right? Where the double the double jump sends you in a predetermined direction at a at a predetermined trajectory. It's very exact. It's moved. It's fixed, right? It's very, very deterministic. You know, it's a very, it's a very fatalistic commitment you make when you do that double jump, and that actually ends up feeling like a technique or like a skill. Meanwhile, you look at something like Celeste, which is crammed with stuff that is far more interesting than a double jump. You have like your grip stamina for climbing. Mm-hmm. You can climb and then jump again after climbing, uh, but then you have the dash, which takes the place of a double jump and it doesn't function exactly like a jump it functions differently from a jump can be activated either during the rise or the fall of the the jump we're just talking the standard moves not even the not even any of the advanced or speedrunnery moves so it's there's there's more stuff that you can do with a non double jump like a celeste air dash than just your basic oh you can jump again here's a you get two jump tokens uh, every yeah. time you jump, like I think the two jump tokens, double jump, vanilla ju- double jump is just trash. Uh, yeah. It and I think when we say double jump, that's what we mean most of the time, right? It's just oh, you can jump twice. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I I, I think of the Celeste dash as a double jump. Well, we have we have a person here who can. It, it, it's like double jump adjacent. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, we have a person yeah, here who can definitively is, tell is us: is it a double jump? <laughs> I would say no because excellent. We, yeah, no, because we arrived at the dash because double jump has limitations that we wanted to get rid of, right? The only reason yeah. I would ever use a double jump in a game design would be if it had to be on the same button as my regular jump. Like if I oh, that was yeah. just a constraint for some reason, where like I needed a second air move and it had to be on the jump button. Yeah, um, yeah and you, would, you wouldn't really want to do that because you don't want to have two verbs on one button. Exactly, yeah. Uh, especially that, two primary verbs. And then having the dash be on a separate button uh, it makes it so that you can dash before jumping, right? You can dash exactly. uh, without jumping. You can jump without dashing. You can jump before da- dashing. It's like you end up turning it into something that feels very freestyle and then just feeds the creative, boundless creativity for beautiful yeah. level design, I would say. And on top of that, there's also problems where like, like a, a jump especially in like a modern platformer, you want to have stuff where you can like hold jump to jump higher and then release it to jump lower and stuff like that. But if you're overloading that with a double jump on top of that, it gets starts getting really weird um, yeah. in the player's mind. Uh, it works best if your regular jump is more static. Yeah, and I mean, you end up with... Uh... Something just like like magnitudes more interesting than say a double jump with the whole the whole mountain climbing motif, the rock climbing motif, the fact that you get one dash like per feet touch ground, right? Mm. So you end up with using the dash as like a sort of a a short term currency unit almost. Just makes it fascinating when you start adding like the items that that replenish your dash in midair. 
by freeing yourself from a mere double jump, a mere garden variety double jump, you ended up making uh, maybe the best platform game I'll ever made. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, I don't know, man. Uh, so maybe, maybe we should abolish the, the garden variety, plain old double jump. That's what I would say. It had its run. Yeah. That, that level design thing I was going to mention about, because it, it does feel to me that part of the reason that people like Celeste so much is because you're searching for ground to put your feet on so that you can jump again. And otherwise you would be, you know, you would, you'd be flopping around doing that stuff a whole lot faster. But the, the, the challenge and the interestingness is how do I, you know, how do I get under this thing um, and get my feet on it so that then I can jump again and get back to where I was or, or, or whatever. Like that simple constraint defines the level design of, of that game as far as, as far as I, can see from the exterior here and uh it 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 makes for a much more interesting experience than the double jump which feels like a uh a crutch to do lazier level design yeah i mean more often than not the double jump in my recollection uh I, i'm just gonna come right out and say it for a future video that i'm doing uh in my series i won't say which game it's about um, it's a game I have a lot of uh, stuff to say about and it's a game I like a lot um i've been doing extensive Fox research Revenge. about double jumps so I've been I've been tracking the history of the double jump, and I would say that most in all video games throughout video game history, I think I've identified every game with the double jump, and I can definitively say that within the last twenty years, the vast majority of games with double jumps use it as a as a key. You know, of as course, a key, that as game a, yeah. is the Flintstones yeah. Treasure of the Sierra Madrak. <laughs> Sierra Madrak, <laughs> yeah. the only good double Yabba, jump. Jabba 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 do. <laughs> we'll be right back after a quick break. Yabba dabba double jump. That's my. That's my. Did you like my double dabba yabba dabba do there? That was the double jump. Yabba dabba dabba do. Welcome back to Insert Credit. I'm here with the regular guys and Maddie Thorson. It's our time of the show not to regular. reach into the dirt bag. <laughs> And pick out a question submitted by one of you listeners who are subscribed to patreon.com slash insert credit, where you can get access to this form that lets you submit questions. You also get monthly bonus episodes and other neat surprises as we deign to drop them. Uh, this week's question comes from Reg, who asks, what is the best video game manual you have read? Ooh, uh, manual. I'm going to tell you what, I like games where you don't have to read the manual, like Flintstones. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to, I'm going to stop talking about Flintstones, Treasures of the Sierra Madrock. (laughs) I'm going to hold you to that. Wow. Yeah, that's a, it's a good question because I feel like most of the manuals I've read have been either informative or goofy or uh, in uninformative or negatively informative, et cetera. But I haven't had a lot of fun with them necessarily. I don't, I guess like... I love when they they put like the do not submerge your disc in water. Don't put a pencil through it. Don't uh, snap it in half. I love that part of any manual. Yeah, that goofy stuff gets me going. Yeah. Yeah. Don't bend your hue card in half. I feel like I missed the golden age of like, there was a time where manuals were kind of cool, right? Like the original Zelda and stuff. I I never got that experience. My best manual experience was getting an N64 for Christmas with Super Mario 64 and then immediately going to my grandma's house where I couldn't bring the N64. And so I just brought the manual and read it for like a week straight. Yeah, I did that with Ocarina of Time where uh, I got it on a Friday 
And then we went into a two-day holiday, which uh, Jewish holidays in my home, you can't use any electronics. So I just spent two straight days reading the manual. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I have a pretty good experience of having of being stuck on a road trip and having just purchased Landstalker and Gunstar Heroes at an EB electronics boutique, they call it back then. They, they cost like $8 each, and they had both like just come out. So I, I just read those manuals. They weren't very good manuals, but I sure did uh, have a great time reading them, imagining how much fun I was going to have when I got home. Uh, did you all see the recent, um, recently revealed uh, bit from Max Sinor from um, Sega of America about how nobody wanted Gunstar Heroes? Um, like, he, he was the last in line. And it was like, either you get this, either you decide you want to produce this game or it goes in the trash. The uh, producer of um, Eternal Champions had just said that it was it was a terrible game and he didn't and he didn't want it. And then Mac played it and was like, played it for two minutes and set the controller down and was like, this is game of the year right here. And and people were like, why why would you say that? We all passed on that game. Don't say so funny. Hmm. Uh, And and so like, obviously it was. And and it just makes me uh, think about how like decisions are being made by dudes who don't know what's up yeah and i had gunstar heroes was one of those really early tastes for me of uh uh-oh maybe i like different stuff or something because uh, i've told this story on the show before but i played i played that game as a as a child like a 12 year old 13 year old i don't know what i was that's a child and uh yeah and then um i went back to the game store and i was like you got any more stuff like Gunstar Heroes, and they were like, oh, there, uh, there, there kind of isn't anything else like that. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I might be in trouble. I'm already liking stuff that, that there isn't more of. Oh, boy. It's um, a real god darn shame. I'll tell you a game. Uh, a manual I really like that's really good is uh, the manual for the PS2 game, Bokurano Kazoku, um, is a huge poster that on the back, it's like a map with a whole bunch of stuff. And the manual is just a big old unfoldy poster. That's fun. Yeah, that's cool. I like that sort of thing. In our Gunhouse game manual that we did for Limited Run, we put a a unique comic, four panel comic in each in each different manual. So uh, we had a uh, the PlayStation Four and the Vita. That's one. like an NFT, except except on paper. Paper NFT, they call it. Yeah, oh call it. yeah, new innovation. An NFP. Wait, isn't that a pog? I love <laughs> pogs. I just remembered a weird. It's not exactly manual, but um, so there was a a, a Sega published uh game for the sega genesis x-men and it came with a manual i don't remember the manual but it also came with a poster where the front side you know it's the box art it's the painting uh from from the cover of the game and then the back side is like a a sort of strategy guide that starts at level three or something and it's because it's literally the poster that was in electronic gaming monthly that was like in the middle of their review of the game Oh wow! So, that owns. so so it's missing the pages that like start their you know their walkthrough, and it just like starts at level three because it's just literally the same poster. Like Sega just bought, had them print extras and wow, packed them in the game. It was very weird. Fun. In all honesty, the best menu I ever or the best manual I ever read was the uh, Super, the Final Fantasy three, also known as Final Fantasy six menu for the Super Nintendo. That was the one I looked at the most. I stared at it the most. Oh my god. It was uh, it was just a, a thing I enjoyed looking at and reading. I was 14 years old, 15 years old, sorry. Best menu is another interesting question, actually. The yeah. best in-game is, yeah. menu. The best manual in games is probably in uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, right? That's yeah. Oh, very good. Too. There you go. Oh, it's also Tunic. Oh, I, d- I just got the Tony Hawk joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Was, uh... <laughs> All right. There you go. 
How do you implement accessibility options in a game where its difficulty is the point? Oh, good question. Yeah, luckily I won't have to answer that question because I don't play those games. Owned. <laughs> Brandon doesn't like to play video games that are too hard. Nope, I don't. I get it. That's a common theme. That's fair. I think I think you just trust players to be able to know when the game the right difficulty for them. I think that's the main thing. I think there's this weird kind of paternalistic thing where like if a game's supposed to be hard, you can't give players control over it or they'll make it too easy and ruin it. But if you explain that the game's supposed to be hard, they're gonna want it to be hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I think the, the, the answer is you just give them as many appropriate layers or levers rather to pull uh as you can and so it can be like you don't take damage or it can just be like the your your weapons hit harder you take less damage um just like all all kinds of little things and you balance it for what you want and then you just let players do something else if they feel like it i i think that's that's okay of course you have it's easier if you plan ahead with that because um it's hard to do it later put all that kind of yeah. You have to be thinking about those lovers from the levers from the start, I think. It's definitely easier. And those levers are going to be different for every game too. There's not like a one size fits all solution yeah. really, unless you're just making a one size fits all game. <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> if 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 you're trying to ask the question in a style of like how do you get the 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 weirdos who insist that games uh, sh- that are hard should always be hard and that there should be no accommodations made for people of lower skill level as they would say how do you get those people on board with a bunch of uh difficulty accessibility options i think it would be uh you should make a game that's just way too hard for them like <laughs> that's, that's funny way too hard first of all people need to know uh these people out there who who self-identify as, uh, as like players of hard video games and it's like that's their identity is that they play hard games uh, and that they 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 beat the bosses in Dark Souls and without they didn't summon an Elden Ring or whatever they they base their identity around that they didn't use the features that the game is like very generously and clearly giving them for those people need to learn that any video game can just be made really hard very easily you can just get in there and uh, turn a bunch of numbers up and turn a bunch of other numbers down. And every video game can be harder than any Dark Souls game. Uh, it's all just made up by the designers, man. So basically, you need to make like a Dark Souls game that's too hard for those people uh, that asks them questions at the beginning of the game. Like, you know, like Kingdom Hearts, they they say, what, what, what power will you take? The sword, the wand, or the shield? And then it's like, well, which of these three will you give up? You know, turn it into like a personality quiz at the beginning of the game. I don't know. Think of like designing it from the top down. There's a game where you can jump really high or you can attack really strong. And either one of those is, I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking too far outside the box here. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. You're I think like I'm, I'm someone who like when I play like the new Mario games and it gives me like the super leaf, I feel vaguely insulted. Oh, yeah. oh man, me too. I'm glad yeah. somebody else said that first. <laughs> so I could agree with it. I go, nope, not touching yeah. that. Like, even if I probably would have a better experience if I took it. Um, yeah. Why yeah. isn't that just the game? I mean, it could be just the game. And you know, why can't the game just be the Super Leaf? Why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a uh, 
There's got to be a stoner rock band called Superleaf. 100% there's going to be one. I don't know about stoner rock. Probably a, like a, a fish, fish-like fish band of weed. Does that make sense? Is fish all about weed, though? Yeah, they they are, but I think uh, I think Stoner Rock is is a little more in the. Uh, I'm gonna the, look it's, it up. Fish is interesting as a band that no one has ever heard, but also a band <laughs> that invented a, a a way to commit crime on the internet. How is this not time, Jaffe? Oh, I'm on mute. That's how. Uh, there's actually there's actually 40 more seconds left. I just want to say 40 more seconds. I just want to say that my sister and her husband do follow Fish around the country. Oh, they do? The one thing I've learned is that fish is not just about weed. It's also about nitrous. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what else is about nitrous? Whatever dude keeps leaving about a million canisters outside my house. God darn it. And I don't know how to recycle them. I don't think, I think you have to take them to a special facility. Just feed them to the garbage disposal. I, I unfortunately have put them in the garbage. It sucks. Do video game release dates mean anything at all anymore? <laughs> well, I mean, don't they now just mean like the day that you get the game if you're a chump who didn't buy the digital deluxe or whatever? By by mean anything at all anymore, are you talking about to us or to the kids? Because there's kids out there who really do care. I was thinking, does it mean anything in terms of are are they going to stick to it? Yeah, because exactly. Like that's, that's what, what I was mean. thinking too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I've I've got a a bunch of little printouts over here that say a uh, uh, Gunsport. Coming 20, 2016, which uh, did not occur. <laughs> did not occur. It came out in twenty twenty. So I mean, you when, know, when you like, say release uh, dates, to me, just to be clear, I presume you mean like the day a game actually comes out when it comes out. I mean when they announce that a game is going to come out on a particular day. Does that mean man, anything at all anymore? There were there were some mixed degrees of triumphance when Bethesda announced that that Starfield is not going to hit its release date. 11-11-22, which will be, would have been 11 years to the day that, of the release of Skyrim on 11 11, 11. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a numerologist when it comes time to decide when a game might not come out, you know? Do they mean anything anymore? I don't know. Uh, I, I know. I mean, there's two ways of answering, right? It's like, from the perspective of, like, what does an announced date mean anything because it's never real or like does it matter when a game comes right like i don't i don't right. know which direction jaffe was going but i think both of those are, are ways to answer and, and and i think that it i think it only matters if uh if there's a competing game i, I don't i don't know i don't follow yeah. the industry as well as i used to but it, it doesn't really feel like it's a, it's a holiday rush kind of deal more it seems a year long yeah i mean it, it, it matters to me when i'm thinking about when to put my next thing out and you know we're doing a trailer right now for the next game and we have to put something at the end of the thing that tells you like that it's it is it is going to come out right and so we can say coming soon or we can say coming 2023 we could say whatever whatever and so but whatever we say i want to stick to it mm-hmm. you know on a, so that so i'm not going to put like it's coming uh, January 2023 because I don't I don't think that that's true and uh, while that would be nice you know it's probably not going to happen so uh, we tr- I think everyone tries to be as accurate as they can they 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 do it with their best intentions but uh, a lot know, of times yeah. they just yeah. announce a date that looks good yeah totally yeah oh I think I think hitting a date is like if you announce a date you're not going to hit it unless you crunch right like there's no right yeah. There's no way to know ahead of time making a video game how long it'd take to make. Like, it's just lit- yeah. it's literally impossible. It's a fool's errand. 
to try to say when your game is going to come out. Yeah. If the date is like more than a month away, it's it's bullshit, right? Yeah. That's the rule. Yeah. And and on the other uh, end of that kind of conversation, like it, the other the other way that Frank was talking about it, like does it matter when a game actually comes out? To me, I extremely don't care what the release date of a like a big budget game is because I I guarantee that I'm going to wait six months to see if there's a version of it that has all the dlc and costs half the price because <laughs> there will be and i don't need to play it right now a large number of day one sales of like any given triple a game are by like pre-hype engaged people people who yeah. were like hype people who were hyped for that game for i'm sorry to say this for reasons of they they just don't really have an identity outside that sort of thing no offense to them it's just you see people in the replies to uh, Sony Computer Entertainment made a tweet today that was like uh, about I call them Sony Computer Entertainment. I think their Twitter handle is just PlayStation now, uh, which is uh, probably better than continuing to go by the the pretentious uh, corporate sounding name Sony Computer Entertainment. All right, um, I, they made a tweet today that was like it's it's global uh, accessibility awareness in video games day, and then here's a. Here's a, a, a YouTube video about how the upcoming God of War Ragnarok uh, is going to have all sorts of accessibility features, much like The Last of Us Part Two had some incredible accessibility features. If anybody looked into that, um, it looks like God of War Ragnarok has all those and then some uh, as Sony continues to really pioneer a lot of uh, a lot of cool stuff uh, for uh, people with sight disabilities. Um, there's a there's a whole lot going on there. Anyway, the first reply to that tweet was. Uh, you y'all dare uh, uh, upload a YouTube video that's not a release date trailer, uh, and I'm like, uh oh. And then I'm, and I'm like, uh, at at least give us some information on the The Last of Us remake that we don't even that nobody even wants. I'm like, uh oh. There's so much going on uh in the collective here these days that uh yeah so th those are the kinds of people who care about release dates so do they matter yes to those people i just want to say one thing before we move on there was a question that was lingering in the dirt bag for a while about what oh. does nintendo have to do with breath of the wild 2 uh to beat elden ring for game of the year and they answered that for us 4k60 uh, not release it this year. Exactly. Uh, Elden Ring Goaty, by the way, I'm letting everybody know this right now. Uh, yeah. I don't see it not happening. Brandon Sheffield is going to try to stir some stuff around the end of the year. Uh, don't listen to him. <laughs> we'll talk about it when the Brandon time Sheffield's comes. a fraud when it comes to Elden Ring. Will see. 3D platforming ever be better than 2D platforming? Oh. Oh, probably not. I mean... Well, here's the thing. Earlier when you said a platform game nobody talks about, but sh but more people should, and Brandon gave a 3D platform game... I did. I held back, as I do very often, uh, uh, with regards to Brandon Sheffield, because... <laughs> I was going to say, uh, 3D platformers and... Uh, 3D platformers... And platformers are two different genres in my mind. Maybe it's just me. I, when I hear platformer, I think I, I assume 2D platformer, right? Does anybody else back me up on this? And then yes, 3D, 3D platformer is a different genre, right? It, it's it's it a no a less. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good genre, uh, and it is a type of platformer. But whenever I hear platformer, I just assume that's too. Wait, are you, so you're gonna say that uh, an action game and a 3D action game are different things? Like uh, it's it's just a it's a no, it's the large umbrella under which under which 2D and 3D platformers exist. See, that's an interesting question. 
uh, as well because I I would not say action game and 3D action game. I would just say action game, but action game is an umbrella. Whereas for me, platformer is a uh, 2D platformer is not an umbrella for me. It is a type of game. Uh, like Contra is not a 2D platformer, right. even though it has platforming in it. That's well, a, it's run a running gun, game, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm coming from on that. Yeah, platformers are like athletic games. You know, they're, they're like the, the the definition of a platform is a game where where jumping on platforms is the main verb and that's the main thing that you're doing. And like that is also true of a 3D platform game. But it's a 3D know. platform. It's still, yeah, we're still saying but, but, it's a platform a, game. A three D platform yeah. game is where you jump on three D platforms. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, and and a and a two D platform game just gets to be platform game. That's what I would say. It was there first. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. There's I a, mean, you could call it two D platformer, or you want to platformer. Yeah. I think I would push push your glasses up on your face as you say it. I guess will uh, will <laughs> will three D platformers ever be better than two D platformers, or will will they match them? I will say that three D platformers. Uh, if if anyone out there is considering making one, uh, just know that you have your work cut out for you because no one has ever made a really yeah. really finished one. In my opinion, it's really difficult because two D platformers. You can obviously see the distance. Uh, very mm-hmm. clearly, you know the boundaries of your jump, and with 3D platformers, by necessity, you are not jumping pixel perfect. You there are fudge distances because you have to, because the actual edge of a platform in 3D space is not when you have a camera that is show, showing from above. It's not where it looks like it is, and so you have to have a little bit of generosity there. Or else the game just doesn't work. And yeah. so, like, there's always going to be fudging in 3D platformers. And I think because of that, they can't, they'll never be truly better. Uh, they can be good and they can be different and they can be their own thing. But I don't think they'll be, I don't think they can be better than 2D platformers in terms yeah. of precision. There, there's things that 3D platformers do better. Like, it's why, like, all yeah. the 3D Marios are more about being in a space mm-hmm. because that's what 3D is good at. Whereas the 2D yeah. Marios are about, like, the raw mechanics yeah and i think if you're talking about like will 3d platformers ever be better than 2d at the raw mechanical like just the jump good platforming i think no probably not i don't think i've ever felt as like grounded and and understanding of my surroundings in any 3d game versus most 2d yeah uh, totally. and it's like sure uh, i mean there's less information it makes sense well yeah there's less way. information but there's less to think about and it's like playing a 3d mm-hmm. game is like i don't know it, it's not like the the same uh cognitive functions as like walking in a straight line it's like walking in a straight line while drunk or something you know it's like you you have other <laughs> things to consider uh, to to give from point A to point B, whereas in a two D platform game, it's really you know like I I always feel like I'm on solid ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And in the especially Japanese three D three D games, you have to be really like contending with the camera a lot of the time, and like constantly tilting it upwards so that you can see the place that you're going because the camera tends to want to show you the ground instead of the area yeah. in front of you, and uh and and that's like. If if you're if you're thinking about moving the camera so that you can just see, it reduces the complexity of what other actions you can undertake reasonably. You've got your work cut out for you as any kind of a designer on a 3D game that has platforming in it. Just in general, it's yeah. uh, there's just the movement of the camera 
all of that stuff is uh it's just wildly wildly complicated there's uh yeah. and as regards to the technical action aspect i who remembers super mario sunshine maddie you played super mario uh sunshine i i assume oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, do you recall uh, many conversations on the internet happening around the time of super mario sunshine's release where wherein people were like they should just make a whole game out of the special stages the parts that were just the raw technical yeah. parts where you have no jetpack and you're in a black void right for sure yeah yeah people were people wanted that but really that's not what a, a 3d mario is not that we really knew what a 3d mario was having only played super mario 64 in 3d at that point it's a oh god i think it's time to go on to our lightning round uh this is a new game called game faq and a's in this game, I go to the Q&A board of a particular game listed on Game FAQs, and you're going to have to try and answer as many questions from there as possible. Uh, keep mm -hmm. your answers quick and pithy, and don't worry too much about accuracy. Today, we'll be answering questions posted about Super Mario Maker 2. SMM2. Question one. How many minutes long is a 500 second course? Oh, shoot. That's a great <laughs> question. Five minutes. <laughs> I have five minutes. Great. Checks yeah, out. Move on. All right. 500 yeah, like, seconds, uh, five minutes. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you play with someone? You have to ask. Uh, uh, you have to ask them first. Yes. You just yeah, don't be them. mean. That's all. all right. You need a, mom. a friend code you, or something? You, you need consent. Yes. Yeah. Which is better? Super Mario Maker 2 or Super Mario Odyssey? Shoot. Odyssey. Super Odyssey. Mario Maker uh, 2 versus Odyssey. Well, you're just kind of asking, you're coming down to the 3D platformer versus 2D platformer uh, <laughs> yeah. question. So I would say 3D platformers obviously are better. <laughs> right? Wow. <laughs> People on multiplayer online are rude? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tip generally. Usually. Yeah. How to make a basic level? Uh, follow, follow the tutorial. Waggle. <laughs> Waggle as fast as possible. L look it up on, uh, on WikiHow. Yeah. How do I make good trolls? Invisible coin block. Uh, extend their hair. <laughs> Find a troll who loves you very much. Fart sound effect plus invisible coin block. That's accurate. Yeah, uh, how do you make good levels? Practice. You don't. <laughs> Practice is the real answer. That's true. Yeah, if I, if I figure out, I'll tell you. When does Princess Peach appear? As soon as you select her from the menu. Endless mode. When you yell Peach as loud as you can. Peach! <laughs> How do I get a lot of coins? Gotta be born rich. Uh, you press uh, this button right here. Yeah. That's uh, about enough, isn't it? Yeah, you need more? You, no, that's you, enough. Give you a couple more. There we're we go. we're gonna interrupt more. the show for a second here. Tim was trying to play uh, Bits Software's Wolverine Adamantium Rage on the Super Nintendo <laughs> just now. Um, yeah. And, uh, Tim, you did not find the mechanic where Wolverine can scale walls with his uh, claws, very bonk teeth-like. Yeah, I gave up. I was I was gonna do it, and then I you, you know were what, gonna I'll... give up eventually anyway. I promise. But uh, yeah, because that wasn't the game I wanted to play. But you know what? It is the game I want to play now. So I'm putting it back on. <laughs> Sorry, here it is. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. I'll I'll, I'll discover the mechanic. This back time. to the show. Back to the show. Last... Do not cut that out. This is important. <laughs> Last question: Why is no one playing my level? <laughs> it, it's no. terrible. It's not very good. Yeah, it's because there's lots of levels they just didn't find it. The algorithm. There's a lot of levels. Yeah. Or Nintendo deleted it. You need to tell Nintendo deleted it. The algorithm is suppressing it. 
um, and uh, censorship, right? Yeah, censorship. Censorship. Is that's the first right. Amendment. First of all, make a couple friends. That's the, the, but that that sounds mean. But uh, you know, get 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 in there. Make uh, Tim just climbed the wall. All right, Frank. Uh, yeah. For interrupting oh, the lightning round, I am declaring you the winner. You get to come up with a question oh, yeah. this week. Uh, Great. Shoot. Now I'm going to ask it now. Uh, how do you climb the wall in Wolverine Adamantium? <laughs> <laughs> well, you jump by pressing the B button, and then you press the X button uh, once you've reached the. Oh my God. <laughs> Frank already gave his recommendation at the start of the show. Who else has recommendations at this point? My recommendation is don't play a Wolverine Adamantium Rage Lord. <laughs> no, it's all right. I can recommend a game I played for like half an hour, so I don't even know if I recommend it, but it seems cool. It's called V Rising. It just came out. It's like one of those multiplayer games where you need a friend to like host a server and then you all play together. And it's a lot of like clicking on trees and rocks and stuff to craft things. But you're a vampire and then you like hunt down animals and suck their blood and stuff. And I don't know, it seems, pre- it seems pretty cool. It's a lot of stuff going on there, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, I have two recommendations. One is, um, I mean, first of all, you shouldn't use Amazon at all. But if you do, don't add stuff on Amazon Prime Movies right near the end of the month because there's an extremely high likelihood that they will expire before you can watch them. Uh, do it at the start of the month so you don't feel like a big dumbo. The other thing I'll recommend is uh, La Croix Des Fairs, a um, visual K band delicious from drink. the early, yeah, delicious beverage from the early mid, I don't know, like 2008, something like that. Um, if you liked, if you like visual K, if you like Malice Miser specifically, no other band has really just been like, you know what, let's do Malice Miser exactly. And uh, this this isn't it exactly, but it's pretty close. There's a female vocalist as well, and it's got a flute, but it's 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 got that operatic goth nonsense that you might enjoy if that's something you've been looking for. And uh, it it turns out, unlike what I thought, they are not a popular band. Um, they they only had two albums, and uh, they don't have a lot of plays on YouTube and such. So give them a look. Uh, if you're into that, you'll probably like them. The end. Um, I'd like to make a comic book recommendation. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, my Ooh. friend Jadzia. If you listen to podcasts, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, my friend Jadzia Axelrod wrote a book for DC Comics with art by Jess Taylor that was just published last week called Galaxy: The Prettiest Star. It's DC's first graphic novel about a trans superhero. It's a very powerful story about the courage and rewards of just allowing yourself to exist with self-honesty uh check it out so that dc knows that there is an audience for this sort of thing Uh, i'd also like to recommend that if you're listening to this show on any platform where you can subscribe to a review podcast that you engage with us in that way to keep the algorithms pushing us upwards and forwards you can also go to patreon.com slash insert credit where you could become a patron to submit your own topics listen to monthly bonus episodes and get other exclusive content as we see fit you can also join our community at forums.insertcredit.com. Follow us on Twitter at insertcredit or search for insertcredit on YouTube. This show is edited by Esper Quinn <laughs> with original music by Kurt Feldman. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Spaldi. I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. I'm Maddie Thorson. And you have now saved your game. Wonderful. Fantastic. Cool. That was fun.
thank you very yeah. much for joining us. This was a good episode. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for tailoring the questions to me. <laughs> oh, did I do that? These are just the regular <laughs> questions I typically ask. Yeah, I'm very much a Nintendo kid, so I appreciate all the platformer and Nintendo stuff. And- there should have been more questions about Blanc, to be honest. More questions about <laughs> Blanc. More questions about Sonic. Brandon, next time I'll uh, I'll play Blanc on my Mister, and you'll you'll probably okay. watch me the whole time and be like, "Oh man, that's so yeah. much better than just playing it on a regular Turbo Duo." Oh, I see. I I, I thought you were gonna say that I was gonna be like, "Oh man, you're doing the wrong stuff." Has anyone made a Bonic the Hedgehog ROM hack where you play as Bonk in a Sonic? B O N I K. Yeah, I'd do it. I doubt it. More like Bubonic the Sledgehog.